0: Hello, this is Dr. Omowumi Oshinubi, and today we'll be mapping oxidative stress on the 15-minute matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15-minute matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host, Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Omawunmi Ashinubi. Dr. Ashinubi is the president of Occupational and Environmental Health Associates and Transformative Integrative Health Associates. She is board certified in preventative medicine with specialization in occupational and environmental medicine. She's a certified disability examiner and provides in-person and telemedicine consultations to veterans and their healthcare providers on matters relating to complex medically unexplained health conditions and exposures of concern during military service. She also provides clinical and medical expert consultations for civilians who were deployed to military bases on overseas combat missions and sustained toxic exposures. Dr. Ashinubi is certified in functional medicine, and she provides clinical consultations using the functional matrix approach, integrative health modalities, including hyperbaric oxygen therapy, adaptive contrast therapy, light therapy, neurofeedback, and nutrition to support health and healing in those who have chronic health challenges and have sustained toxic exposures. She is recognized as a national subject matter expert in military, occupational, and environmental exposures and related health effects. Hello,
0: Dr. Ashanubi. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hey, thank you, Andrea. I'm honored to collaborate with you on today's podcast.
1: I'm so thrilled to have you here, and I love this topic, this topic of oxygen to begin with, because it's so important to overall health, and yet I think it's often overlooked. Can you help us understand why oxygen is so important to overall health?
0: Hey, thank you, Andrea. I'm so passionate about using oxygen therapy to restore holistic health and wellness. So let's do a quick dive in. So why is oxygen important to our health? Well, let's start with the very basics, right? Oxygen is essential to life and health. You know, the human body comprises 62% of water, right? We have 16% of protein, 16% of fat, about 1% of carbohydrate, and then 6% of minerals. Well, water, which is most of what the body is comprised of, is really a combination of hydrogen and oxygen. So the bottom line is that most of the Total elemental composition of the body, which is about 65%, is actually oxygen. Next in line is carbon, which is about 18%. Hydrogen is close to 10%. So you can see that oxygen is actually a pivotal element in the human body. So why do we need oxygen? It is required for the combustion of food to create energy. And that biochemical process of energy production using oxygen releases, you know, our typical waste, which would include carbon dioxide, water, and a number of metabolic wastes. So that energy that's produced from oxygen is required for every metabolic and physiological process that takes place in every cell in the human body. So that is huge. You know why? Because scientists estimate that there are about 30 to 40 trillion human cells in the adult human body, and each of these cells need oxygen to generate energy in the form of ATP, also known as adenosine triphosphate.
1: Can you talk ATP a little bit more? Because I think this is so important because this is really bringing us back to physiology and biochemistry and this understanding of what it takes the body to tick. I know a lot of people are talking about dietary changes and all these different things we have to do, like I like to say, on the right side of the matrix, but I love looking at why. So can we talk a little bit about
0: ATP? Yeah, absolutely. You see, ATP is required for the functioning of the body. So every tissue and every organ needs ATP as the energy currency. Your eyes, your brain, your immune cells, the cardiometabolic system, physical and mental functioning requires ATP. ATP is required for repair of injured or diseased tissue. It's required for tissue regeneration. Even formation of new blood vessels, new tissues and stem cell mobilization all require ATP. So that ATP is the energy currency that fuels the human body that keeps it running 24-7. That's the fuel for the human engine.
1: It's so interesting because when we look at the functional nutrition matrix or the functional medicine matrix, there's this area of oxidative stress and energy production, and you're touching on that, but I find this is an area that many clinicians get super confused about. Can you talk a little bit about the role of oxygen in energy and oxidative stress processes?
0: You know, it's actually the simple law of demand and supply like that the economists teach us so well, every cell needs oxygen. When it gets its appropriate supply of oxygen, it will generate sufficient ATP or energy that it requires for its metabolic needs. And that cell or tissue is in a balanced state, which we call the redox state, a balanced redox state. If that cell does not get enough supply of oxygen, It will not have sufficient energy for its needs. Then it starts to generate these excessive free radicals. And it's these free radicals that bind to the cell structure and start to cause oxidative stress. Now, research has shown that chronic oxidative stress plays a very important role in most chronic diseases. And it also accelerates the aging process.
1: So if we know we need oxygen for all of these processes, both in health and in making sure that we're not in this diseased state, how do we ensure that the cells get the oxygen that they need
0: to function well? Well, you know, we are divinely created to get oxygen to where the human cells need it, right? (laughs) So that's the reason why red blood cells actually make up 80% of the human cells. And the primary function of these red blood cells is really to carry oxygen from the lungs. Like when we breathe in the air, air has 21% oxygen, right? So these red blood cells carry oxygen from the lungs in the blood, through the blood vessels to every tissue, and it diffuses to the cells. Now, the heart is the pump that keeps that blood flowing in our blood vessels 24-7 to ensure that the red cells get oxygen to the tissue's And that way it meets the body's energy demands. Even while we're sleeping, this is going on, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's how we're designed to stay alive, to function optimally. And when that's all running smoothly and the engine is humming well and the blood supply is getting to where it's supposed to get to, we have this feeling of optimal good health.
1: Before we go on to what can happen when things go awry, I'm wondering if we could just anchor a little bit more on the red blood cells, if that's okay. Because I always like to say, like, if we're not seeing optimal red blood cell function, it's like we're building on quicksand when we're trying to restore or address health. Is that something that you would say is... True, part true, true, but partial. And how do you look at that when you're evaluating your patient cases?
0: That is so very true, right? Your red blood cells are pivotal because they have this structure called hemoglobin in it. And each hemoglobin carries about four atoms of oxygen. And if there's a problem with your red blood cells in the sense that if you don't have enough red blood cells, as we would see in anemia, and anemia could be due to, you know, poor dietary habits. So if you're not taking enough iron in your food supply, so you can have iron deficiency anemia. Or if you're losing blood, right, for many reasons, you know, for some women with the menstrual cycles, some have heavy cycles and they have too much blood loss. Or in chronic diseases where the, you know, red blood cells are impacted, like if you have chronic GI bleed. Or even in cases of cancer where the blood cells are impacted in, you know, for various reasons, you don't have enough oxygen carrying capacity in that blood to meet your tissue demands. So if there's any problem with the red blood cells, whether it's in the number of the red blood cells or even at the tissue level where things can change the equation of how those red blood cells release oxygen into the tissues, we can have a problem. Take, for example, smoking, right? Cigarette smoke has something called carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide will bind to the red blood cells 200 times more than oxygen would bind to it. So you are actually reducing the oxygen carrying capacity of your red blood cells when you smoke. That's why smoking is associated with so many chronic ailments, in part because of the reduction of that oxygen carrying capacity. Now, smoking has additional toxins that we're not (laughs) going to get into today. But just in (laughs) terms of the critical role that these red blood cells play in our health and wellness, it's so important for you to have healthy red blood cells.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, this is one of the things, and I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but when I'm training clinicians, functional nutrition clinicians, there's often this desire to rush to the fancy, quote unquote, functional testing. And I try to reframe it to bring us back to the standard serum labs, because there's a lot we have to get right or restore at the baseline physiological function that I I think too many people are bypassing to look for what they're determining is a root, but the roots are deeper. They're at this deep physiological, functional level. And when I hear you talk about this, I feel validated that that's my approach because we often see imbalances in the white blood cells, red blood cells. I also am curious about your thoughts about CO2 levels on a serum lab in relation to the conversation we're having.
0: You know, thank you so much, Andrea. When I was training in medical school, one of my professors used to say, common things occur commonly. And when you hear hoof beats, it's the horse before the zebra. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In other words, don't start looking for the esoteric. Start Mm -hmm. with the common things that occur commonly. And, you know, common sense tells us that, you know, you need to optimize your red blood cell functioning, right? And that includes the number and the functioning of the red blood cells, right? Your chemistry needs to be optimized, right? If you are acidic, for example, the oxygen capacity, the red blood cells are going to hang more to the oxygen rather than, you know, deliver it to the tissues. That's that oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve. I used to be an anesthesiologist, by the way, so some of this is (laughs) really coming back, right? That oxygen dissociation curve, you want to optimize that because you don't want to be acidic. You know, you want to be alkaline so that when I say alkaline, within the optimal range of the pH so that you are actually making sure that the red blood cells are actually giving up the oxygen at the tissue level rather than hanging tight to it. So, you know, you want to make sure that the respiration chain is performing optimally, right? So you don't really want your biochemistry to have too much carbon dioxide or or you don't want it to be, you know, too acidic or you don't want it to be too alkaline either. You want to be in that optimal range for health.
1: And when you talk about pH, just so I can ground this, because I see a lot of confusion here as well, we're talking about the pH of the blood. If we were then to talk about the pH of like different parts of the digestive system, for instance, that's different, right? Oh, that is
0: very different. We're actually talking (laughs) about the blood and the serum here. Yes, right. The pH of the digestive system (laughs) is completely different, right? It is very acidic, and it should be that. It should be so rightfully to kill off those unwanted (laughs) bugs.
1: So true. Well, I'm I'm glad we could talk about that. So, when we come back to the oxygen, what happens when things go awry with the processes that you've been sharing with us?
0: Yeah, so going back to the blood, right, and how that's so important for circulation and getting oxygen to the needed tissues, there are times and situations when disruption happens. For example, you know, in unfortunate situations where there is An accident or injury that leads to severe bleeding or catastrophic illness, such as a sudden heart attack or a stroke, and then the blood supply to vital organs is disrupted. Right. So we're familiar with the impact of those acute severe oxygen deprivation, which we term hypoxia, right? And it can lead to cardiopulmonary collapse, or irreversible brain damage, or death in a matter of minutes, like four to ten minutes. Now, as healthcare providers, we are really trained to respond to such situations with Herculean efforts. You know, we do cardiopulmonary resuscitation, advanced cardiopulmonary interventions to save a person's life, and to minimize the injurious impact of the lack of oxygen to those vital organs, such as the heart or the brain. So, you know, we do that very well in medicine. Well, you know, as well as we can. Right. What we're less cognizant of are the long-term subtle levels of oxygen deprivation at the cellular and tissue levels that lead to cumulative oxidative stress. And that can cause, and it often causes tissue dysfunction, organ damage, and ultimately chronic disease.
1: Yeah, I think you said that so well in terms of in medicine today, what we do well and where there might be some gaps. And they often lie in these areas of chronic disease. So when we're thinking about these concepts of a chronic oxygen debt, can you talk into that a bit more?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you asked that question because I sometimes think in economic terms, right? Demand and supply. And, you know, there's more month than money, right? (laughs) You're in debt that month. So there are many times when we incur this oxygen debt in tissues, you know, For example, if we have chronically low blood flow to an area, that could be because of anemia. It could be because we have plaques in our blood vessels that's, you know, blocking blood flow. For example, in the case of the heart, you know, causes ischemia, what we call coronary artery disease. You know, you can have things like chronic leg ulcers in a diabetic from a combination of their vasculopathy, inflammation, infection. And that can cause chronic oxygen in the tissue. You can also have inflammation from exposures to toxins or pathogens or the nutritional inflammogens, which I would call, you know, the foods that we eat, manufactured foods like, you know, gluten, additives like pesticides and phthalates, all of those can cause inflammation. When there's inflammation, there's swelling in the tissue. That will restrict the flow of oxygen from the blood, from the tiny blood vessels into those tissues and it will cause tissue hypoxia. That will cause dysregulation of the various biochemical processes needed for health and well-being. Now, another common cause of this chronic oxygen debt is sleep-disordered breathing, particularly sleep apnea, which is so common now in the American population, where during the night, there are episodes, what we call apneic episodes, when somebody stops breathing, and during that period when they're not breathing, even though it's a brief period of time, the body is deprived of oxygen. So this cumulative oxygen debt leads to chronic oxidative stress that we touched on earlier. And this has been linked to so many diseases. I mean, I'm just going to rattle off just a few of them. It's by no means exhaustive, but we know that cancer, for example, right, has been linked to oxidative stress. In fact, cancer cells do not like oxygen. They thrive in a hypoxic environment. Neurodegenerative conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease has been associated with oxidative stress. Cardiometabolic diseases like high blood pressure, atherosclerosis, stroke, diabetes, all have their root in oxidative stress. Inflammatory conditions such as arthritis, asthma, inflammatory bowel diseases, immune dysregulation, predisposition to infections, and even conditions such as chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia have relationship with oxidative stress.
1: I'm going to need to ask you to come back to talk about something I know you're passionate about, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. But before we leave and let you go, can you tell us some of the ways that we can start to address oxidative stress in our practices and with the people we're working with?
0: Yes, Andrea. So an area that, you know, I'm really passionate about and which you are doing so well is that concept of functional medicine or using the functional nutrition matrix to optimize health and wellness, right? And one of the things that we do as functional medicine clinicians and nutritionists is that we dig deep into the clinical history to find out the root causes of these problems, right? So we start with those antecedents, triggers, and mediators, which we refer to as ATMs that cause tissue dysfunction. So what do I mean by that? Let's talk about antecedents, right? These may include genetic or familial factors that predispose an individual to a disease. Even before they're exposed, right, they have these factors that set them up for problems if they are exposed. What are those exposures? Well, these exposures might be triggers. These triggers may include Exposures in the workplace, like in my field in occupational and environmental medicine, there are a lot of toxic exposures at work. Environmental exposures in our homes, those may be the factors that actually set this ball rolling in the wrong direction. And then we talk about mediators. And these mediators are processes that help to perpetuate that dysregulation that was triggered by those environmental exposures or occupational exposures. What do I mean by mediators? These are lifestyle factors, right? The standard American pro-inflammatory diet, a chronically deprived sleep culture, a sedentary lifestyle, overstressed, lack of work-life balance, and very difficult or toxic relationships that are commonplace in our modern society. Those factors help to perpetuate the dysregulation that promote disease. So these ATMs, the antecedents, triggers, and mediators, work in concert with oxidative stress to adversely impact the physiological nodes, which we refer to in functional medicine as areas that cause imbalance. And this imbalance will manifest as symptoms and signs, which we eventually categorize as diseases for which we go to the different specialists for. So When we go back to actually the physiological nodes, which is really where the dysregulation happens, right, we look at them in different categories or buckets as it were. So we talk about the immunoinflammatory nodes, the gastrointestinal or assimilation nodes, the detoxification nodes, the hormones and neurotransmitters, which maybe also be referred to as the communication nodes, structural integrity, which, you know, you address so well in the functional nutrition matrix, and there are a number of other nodes as well. So we must never forget that there's the mental, emotional and spiritual component or the node that plays a pivotal role on how the body modulates these physiological nodes and the impact. And so that is so critical because that's an area that is many times overlooked, but yet is an important driving factor on how we overall manage stressors, manage oxidant stress and how we you know, balance all those different nodes that I mentioned earlier. I have
1: a big smile on my face because I feel like you just gave us a master class in the matrix, which I actually taught into this morning. And this is a beautiful way that you put it all together to say, when we're looking at oxidative stress, we have to look at the person's story, everything happening in the soup in that center part of the matrix. And then that influences the skills that we're helping them to understand Thank you so much for joining me here today, Dr. Ashanubi, and I can't wait to have you back and talk about our further steps we can take to support oxygen.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Andrea. It's my pleasure. And thank you for all you do. You're doing exemplary work.
1: The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.